So we'll continue with the meeting. Um, our next speaker is Dr. Ken Abwa. And I think that most of us are very, very familiar with him. Um, he's our own father. Some of us did not have the privilege of being taught by him in medical school, but we know that we've had, um, we've heard from him at different times in our conferences. And we are really grateful that once again, he can join us in this session. So Dr. Abwa, um, please, we are ready to hear from you. Thank you for the privilege. Uh, this evening will be nuts to address this session about a Christian medic and his family. We want to look at family division, uh, definition in the legal terms. When you look at the blocks. Law Dictionary says a collective body of persons who live in one house under one head or management. A house with different parts and different people and with one head. This house can be headed by a man. Unfortunately, in single families is headed and widowed uh, woman is headed by woman. In Ghana, it said about 30 to 40 percent of homes are headed by women. Where are the men? Some deny that they were fathers. Some have died and left them. Some are divorced. And the divorce rate is really increasing. In Ghanaian law, the definition is a bit different. The emphasis goes to not only households or nuclear families, but extended families. In our custom, according to Article 11, three, uh, plus three of our constitution, uh, customary law is recognized in Ghana. And a queer queen here was defi defining Ghanaians into two groups. Blood relationship descended from common ancestor. So when we descend from a woman, it's a matrilineal family. And when we descend from a man, it's patrilineal. A lot of the accounts go matrilineal. And then uh, some other parts of Ghana, they go patrilineal. So there are two types of extended families. And this is really emphasized because the Abusian Penny is seriously recognized in the laws of Ghana. So you might belong to a patrilineal family or matrilineal family. That affects how you marry and all kinds of things. And then we have, that is the earthly family. Then we have the Christian family. And then we have also the professional family. So the medic is related, one, to his extended family patrilineally or matrilineally, two, to the Christian family.
family, which is the church and the fellowship family. Usually these are the closest families to us. And by marriage, we establish the nuclear family. But before then, we belong to the Patrick, uh, we belong to the extended family. Biblically, biblically, the family was the extended type. In fact, Abraham had as many as more than 300 males who could go to battle. And uncles, nephews, grandfathers. So there are usually at least three generations in the family. And this is useful because the past, the present, and the future are represented in families. And so you could belong to the past, which is the grandfather, or the present, which is the young family, and your children being the uh, current family. So we have the father, uh, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. Usually three generations making up a family and there is a relationship between them. The Encarta family uh, uh, defines the family into all these three areas that we look for. But I'm very happy that uh, I'm very happy that the topic is Christian family, uh, Christian medic. A Christian first, you become a medic, and you develop your family. All these three qualifications are important. And being able to perform well depends on how solid your Christian life is. Let's go back to Genesis when God established the family. In chapter 1, the Bible clearly says that God said, let us make man. 26, 27, in our own image, after our likeness. And then male and female created he them. Not male and male marry, not female and female marry. That is satanic and demonic. That doesn't come from God at all. So male and female created him them. And when you are going to go into a relationship to establish a family, you should perfect how male you are or how female you are. There's no need for the two of us to compete and say we are equal. We are equal but different. There are many things men can do that women cannot do. And there are many things women can do that men can never do. Uh, that is why the women give birth to children. If it was to be given to the men, we would be short of human beings by now because men cannot bear pain. Second uh, Thessalonians 5.23, a man is made up of spirit, soul, and body. One, two, three, a trinity of man. God said, let's make man in our own image, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the trinity mixed up, uh, he created us in his image as a trinity. And all these three parts, the body, the soul, and the spirit have needs which should be met even as we enter the family domain. And so we will look at the beginning 
when God created and created the family in chapter 2 and made the woman a help me to the man. You know what? God created the world. He gave the man a job to do. Man was occupied doing something with his life before he got a wife. And God said, no, it's not good that he should be alone and gave him a helpmate. Unemployed men, men who are doing nothing with their lives, have no business in marrying. Adam was busy working. He was doing, taking care of the garden, doing something. God looked at him how hard he's working, how he's managing his life, and said, no, it's not good that this guy should be alone. I'll make him a helpmate. Chapter 2, God performed the first anesthesia and then removed a rib and formed the woman. The women are the last born, but they are very special. Very, very special. Indeed, God loves his last born. And anybody who maltreats them, the Lord will not be happy about it. Let's go to uh, Proverbs 18 and 22. He who finds a wife. God has stopped finding wives for men. Why? When God founded the first wife, Eve, for the man, the man blamed God and said, the woman you gave to me. So now the Bible says, who, who finds a wife? When you find a wife, you bring to God, God blesses it into the marriage and say, you obtain favor. There are some of us single people, until we marry, that favor will not come. But you have to find a wife. God will not force a wife on you. But God can help you to find one. And he who finds a wife finds a good thing. A good thing. Women are good. Wives are good. Anybody who thinks that his wife is evil, the husband is so, God said it is good. It is good. But it was not good that they were alone. And Jesus explains that there are three types of people who may not marry. One, Enoch's who were born as Enoch's. It means that sexually they were created or born with malformations in such a way that they cannot consummate marriage, so they may not marry. Enoch's who are born as Enoch's. Number two, Enoch's for the kingdom's sake, because of the gospel, they decide not to marry. And then the third group, Jesus said, Enoch's created by men. Some people can be so traumatized by their family marriages and their parents' marriages in such a way that they vow they will never marry. Some people can also be uh, trauma, through trauma. They can be victims of trauma in such a way that marriage consummation may not be possible. Apart from these three groups, Enos for the kingdom's sake, Enos who were born like that with malformations, and in us created by men, the Bible admonishes us that it's not good for a man to be alone. So we need to find our partners. Single life is useful for the kingdom's sake or for a genuine purpose, you can be in single life. I would like us to turn to John chapter 2 and verse, we'll hear about the first miracle that happened and Jesus performed it at a marriage. Marriage is so important that the first miracle 
Jesus performed it at a marriage. They established the marriage, and when Jesus came, he attended a wedding to make sure that they are doing it right. And God created marriage. He has the answers to it. Verse 2, Jesus' mother said, whatever he tells you, Jesus was invited to a wedding. In fact, you have to invite Jesus to your marriage. Verse 2. Jesus can you can be a Christian, and your marriage may not be a Christian marriage. Christian marriage is not automatic. You have to work on it. We'll learn something from this passage. You have to work on it. And John 2, 5 says that whatever he tells you, Whatever Jesus tells us in marriage, we should do it. Some people are refusing to do, perform their vows, to do what God has told them. What does the word of God say concerning your marriage? When you meet any situation, what Jesus tells you, you should do it. Jesus is the word. And whatever the word of God tells you in your marriage, that is what you should do. Mary advises us, whatever he tells you, do it. Today, I want to challenge you that you do whatever God's word has said in your marriage, whatever Jesus is telling you in your marriage, to forgive your wife, to reconcile with your wife, and to do the right thing in your marriage and to your children. Whatever God's word says, whatever Jesus says, who is the word, do it. Just as he told them, and a guard uh, in the marriage at Cana. And he said, fill the empty pots. Marriage is like empty pots. When you go, whatever you put into the marriage, that is what you reap. If you put love inside the pot, God will bless the pot with love, and love will blossom. If you put fighting, anger, insults into your uh, marriage, you, it may be multiplied and returned to you by the woman. Whatever you give a woman, she'll multiply it and send it back to you. When you give a woman a sperm, you give you a human being. That is many times multiplied. When you give a woman wahala, she'll multiply the wahala for you. But when you give a woman love, she'll multiply it for you and do great things in your life. In our marriage, my wife has been the greatest asset. I've never regretted uh, marrying her. And we'll give some practical examples. So when they fill the pot with water, Jesus blessed it. Whatever you fill your marriage with, God will bless it. Make sure you don't put in evil things for the devil to multiply it. Put in good things, patience, forgiveness, love, sacrifice, understanding, and all those things. Put it into the pot. And whatever he tells you to do, you must do it to the glory of God. What God has joined together, let man, no man put asunder. Now there is a multiplication of divorce. I know some Christian doctors who have divorced their wives. I know of divorce which was unheard of in the church now is on the increase. This should be stopped. This should be stopped because in Malachi 2.16, God says, I hate it. I hate it. What God hates, we should not do it. I hate divorce. I hate divorce. 
I hate divorce. And divorce is on the increase among the young ones. The greatest test of marriage is the first two years. Be patient, sacrifice, understand each other, get committed. After the two years, you will be able to stand. He says what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. It's not devils who cause divorce. That is a lie. It is man who causes divorce. Human beings cause divorce and separation. The Bible has said, Matthew 19 says, what God has joined together, let no human being put asunder. The two of you as man and wife can put it asunder. Other people can put it asunder. We are praying that we will never put our, our marriages asunder. That the Lord will marry till death do us part. Now the rate of divorce is just too much. Pastors are divorcing. Church leaders are divorcing. Doctors are divorcing. The stress in our age, the pressure all around is so much that if you are not careful, you will divorce. We are praying that God will help us and give us understanding to stand. Now, when we go to Ephesians chapter 5, powerful passage over there, the Bible says that the man is the head. The man is the head. And the woman is like a type of Holy Spirit. So, in marriage, the man is like Jesus Christ. And the woman is like the Holy Spirit. Every many qualities of the Holy Spirit, the woman has it. It's only the woman and the Holy Spirit who are called helper in the Bible. The woman was made as a helper for the man. And the only other person called the helper in the Bible is the woman. So the woman and the Holy Spirit, they have similar characteristics. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings beyond our understanding. Women are great intercessors. The Holy Spirit comforts us. Women can comfort more than uh, men. The Holy Spirit refreshes us. A woman should refresh the husband during the day and also in the night. Hallelujah. And as the man also refreshes the woman. Amen. The Holy Spirit reminds us, women don't forget. They remember everything. In fact, the tie that I was wearing during our wedding, my wife, I believe, can still remember. But I don't remember any of those things. Women can remember things 20 years ago. But men, we forget. That is why they give the certificate to the woman. The woman is like the Holy Spirit. Put the Holy Spirit down as a woman, and look at the characteristics of the Holy Spirit, refreshing, comforting, intercessor, uh, and all those things. The Holy Spirit is like the wife, and the wife should behave like the Holy Spirit. Why is the man behaves like Christ? As Christ is the head of the church, so is the man head of the marriage and the household. And this has everything that Jesus does for the woman uh, the church, the woman should, uh, the man should do all that for the woman. 
what I was saying about the woman is women have better memory than men. And the Holy Spirit reminds us, one of the duties of the Holy Spirit is to remind us of things to do. That is why I am saying that the woman is like the Holy Spirit. Somebody sent it that he did not understand the memory aspect. Women have better memories than us. Now, a man, what has Jesus done for us? Everything Jesus has done for us. Jesus has forgiven our sins. Jesus protects us. Jesus provides for us. Jesus guides us. Jesus leads us. Jesus does so many things. Everything Jesus does for you, do it for your wife and for your children, just like uh, Jesus did it. But I want to take the head and illustrate something. If a marriage will break down, it's because of the man. Any man who will stand firm, your marriage will never break down because love is more powerful than submission. And when you love your wife, she will submit to you. Don't force submission first before love. God, uh, when Jesus loved us, all of us surrounded and went to Jesus to submit to him and become saved. When God was punishing us, nobody went to God for salvation. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The head, the man is the head automatically when you marry. The head that we have here is not a head because of its position. We should be functional heads. The whole body realized that the head has so many functions other parts of the body does not have. That is why the head is the head. One, the head has eyes. The head is the eye of the body. And the man is the eye of the family. The man should be able to have a vision, a vision, a functional head, not positional head. When you are functional head, you will force the family to obey you. Everybody will obey. You should have a vision. You should see danger when it is coming. You should see where Jesus is leading the family. A man without a vision and cannot plan ahead, that man does not deserve to be ahead. The brain is in the head. Plan, think for the family. It is very important that your brain should function because you are the head up here. The head and the brain should function. And it's the brain that controls the whole body. The brain should control the family. The brain should link all the family together. Now, the head has ears, two ears and one mouth. It means you should speak once and hear two times. Some of us talk too much. Heads don't talk too much. Women can talk uh, more than us. Don't argue with your wife. A man should talk once and hear two times. One ear is for hearing from God. One ear is for hearing from your wife and your children. So you speak once, you hear two times. Hear from heaven and hear also from your wife and your children. If I were not to listen to my wife, I would have been dead by now. She saved my life on three occasions when I listened to her. The mouth is the mouth that we, uh, speaks to God on behalf of the family. You are the mouthpiece of the family. Talk to God 
and learn how to talk to your wife and your children. Learn how to talk to your wife and your children. And you speak on behalf of the family to the whole world also. Hallelujah. And the mouth needs to be fed. You should feed the family. Find food. Work hard. And feed the family. And feed the family. And clothe the family. And provide for the family. Any man who does not provide for his wife and family is worse than a non-believer. If your job is not good, tell God, Lord, help me. Oh, God, help me. Let me be able to provide. Don't compete with your wife concerning chop money and other things. You provide what you can, and she will also be a helpmeet and help you. The beauty of the family is the face. Every human being, your face represents your beauty. The beauty of the family is the man. He is the head. If the family will be beautiful and function well, it's the man. If it will not function well, it's the man. If it will collapse, it's the man. We pray that we use our eyes for vision. We see danger and we also plan with the brain and the eyes for the future, short-term plan, long-term plan. You should have bought a plot by now, a plot of land. Start buying one immediately. Start buying one immediately and start putting some few blocks on it. Don't be chasing cars and so on. Those are temporary. Leave a legacy for your family, a house, a land. These are the things you should seriously pursue. Cars can break down anytime or burn or be stolen, but houses cannot be stolen. They are eternal property for your family. So with your extra money from COVID, if you don't have land, go and buy land. Many years ago, my wife told me to buy land. We even bought it on credit and paid small, 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 and we built our house. Now the area in which we live now, the land costs $300,000 for one. We bought it at 1,000 CDs. It's now costing $300,000 if I was not to listen to my wife. And I said, my money is too small. That time they paid us peanuts. So may you have a vision. May you plan with your brain. May you see the vision God wants for the family. May you hear twice from God and from your children and your wife. May you speak to God on behalf of the family and to the world. And may you speak also to your family. May the Lord bless us. We have been married since 5th December uh, 1987. So this year, we have been married for 33 years. God has been good to us. God has blessed me with such a wonderful wife. In fact, most of the things I've been able to achieve. All you women on board, may your husband testify about you. Just like in Proverbs 31, he says, his husband trusts her with all his heart. May your husband trust you. Men, may your wife trust you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When we look at the seven things we should be doing, the Lord has helped us to do them together as a family. So in all these years, the first two years, we did not have a, a child. And that was the time to go and see the gynecologist and pursue fertility. But we prayed and said, God, give us children. 
We are not going even to the hospital to consult the doctor. And God has given us two boys, two girls. They are all adults now. The first three are doctors who have qualified. The last one is a valuer who has also finished school. We thank God that when we did not have children, we spoke to God. We told him that when you find a wife, you find favor from God. As in Proverbs 18, 22, God has given us the favor of an equal division in the house. We have three boys and three girls. So when we are voting, the three men on one side, three women on one side, and we always have the Lord helping us through. Amen. Now, there are basic things we did for our family. Training is very important. We want, in Luke 2.52, what the Lord is saying is that Jesus grew up and in favor with men and with women. Jesus grew up and in favor with men and with, uh, with God and with women. Okay. I'll continue uh, a bit and then we'll wait for families should be taught the children. Luke 252, physical values, spiritual values, moral values, and social values. So so in Luke 2.52, we find this one there. And God has been so faithful unto us. And uh, through it all, every day we ask, God, what will you let us do? We link the uh, prayer and the word of God is very key. And just as Deuteronomy 6.7 says, bombard them, teach them. Day and night, when they wake up, when they are eating, when they are walking, when they are about to sleep. And so as I birth the children and carry them as children to school, everybody will give a memory verse. And the Lord, through the word of God and prayer, and we continue praying and linking up with Zoom. Every Sunday evening is our prayer time. We used to pray every Saturday, and we make sure that the children know the Lord. All the four of them know Jesus Christ, have given their life to the Lord, baptizing the Holy Spirit. And we continue that the family altar is very important. When I'm late and I come, uh, I pray for all the children one by one. And I go to their bedroom, lay hands on them, and prophesy into their lives. And now God has made them fulfill their, uh, their uh, ministry. They have fulfilled also their profession and they have given their lives to the Lord. Prayer that I prayed 30 years ago is still working today. Prayer never expires. If you read Revelations 5, 11, the angels are collecting the prayers of the saints. There's a bank in heaven where prayer can be stored. And when the prayer is stored at the appropriate time, you withdraw it and it works. 
it works. Invest prayer in the future of your children. Just as Noah lay hands on, uh, just as Noah's father lay hands on Noah and said, you will comfort the whole world. When Noah grew up, that prophecy and that prayer was fulfilled. So I decided to pray. When I come home late, even they are sleeping, I pray for them. And when they are awake, I line them up, lay hands on them, and prophesy into their lives. Start praying for your children. Speak into their future. Lay hands on them and declare that they will not be led astray. They will know Jesus. They will give their life to Jesus. So please, we want you to pray for your children. Invest in them before and the word of God. Train them and be careful how you behave. If you don't pray, don't tell your children to pray. If you don't read, the Bible, the Bible to say. I was traveling with the father in America. And as they were traveling along the way, the father was insulting almost all the drivers on the way. When they came home, the mother asked, how was the journey? The father said, oh, it was smooth, no problem. The boy never uttered a word on the way. But the boy said, no, 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 mama, some things happened. We saw about five nincompoops and four foolish people and then uh, three good-for-nothing drivers. So every insult that the father produced, the boy was recording everything in his head and he declared it. What you say is what they will say, not what you tell them to say. So learn to be a good example. You are their model. Do not discriminate among the children. The one you discriminate against may be the one who will take care of you. We know Albert Einstein was somebody who could not be accepted in the family very well and in school. They did not understand him. Was the old man out? So in the family, everybody did not understand him. Now we don't know the father of Albert Einstein. We don't know the mother of Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein is the man of the century. So the children you don't understand, even love them. Albert Einstein was no good at school because that he was more clever than the teachers. But he became the hero in future. The odd man out may be the best. Bill Gates was very odd. Nobody understood him in the family. He refused to go to the university and he started doing things. The whole family was not happy. Eventually, Albert Einstein has employed the whole family. His family, his parents are employed by him and he has completed his education. The odd people out may be those who take care of you. Don't love only those who are good at school and excel. Spend time on those who are the odd men out. It has been established that the odd child out is always the one who takes care of his parents in future. All the clever ones will live, leaving behind the guy you think is good for nothing, and he's the one who will take care of you. Be careful how you handle your children. Discipline them and provide for them, protect them from all evil, and train them. Your replacement, the best legacy you can leave for your children is to replace yourself with your children. Not the money 
that you will live, not the buildings. That is also good. But provide your, uh, you should reproduce yourself so that when you are no more, there will be somebody in the family representing you. I think I've spoken for a while. I cannot cover all the areas. There's an area, there's seven things that couples should do. I ask that we all, uh, the time management. After God, after God comes the family. There was a surgeon recently in America who has retired. And when he was in the hospital, everybody liked him. He was popular, excellent, very good. When he went on retirement, they told him, I was reading his story, that he should pack his things and leave. And now the, the, all the patients don't remember him. Those he trained don't remember him. The hospital doesn't remember him. When he got home, his two daughters and the wife said, who are you? We don't know you. We don't know you. You spend all your time in the hospital. Now you are coming home to us. When everybody leaves you, it's only your family who will remain for you. So please, as you work hard to save lives, don't forget your family. Your family is second after God. Make time for them. Build relationships. I nearly made those mistakes. But by God's grace, uh, we've learned to spend quality time, travel together on holidays, even to Dubai. All the money I saved, I put some into it. My wife sponsored us. The family goes on holiday together every year. And the Lord, through the... So I'm lifting four hours. Your God and devotion and prayer is number one. This is a big stone. Follow it, the things you do for God. The big stones are must do's. The things you must always do. Now the smaller stones are things which are not too necessary. Uh, they are second in importance. So you do it here, you put the second stones. The third stones are the third in line. If the third stone fill this pot then it's not necessary it's not too critical and essential and then we have the sand the sand is leisure and other things that are usually useless uh, that may not be too useful so when there's space you do that and then you take the water the water is God God must touch every activity and so this is the 24 hours your 24 hours. The jug is full now of all your activities. You can see the jug over here. But what was put in is the most important things. Then all the other things follow. And one of the most important things is your family, your marriage. It's very, very essential that you leave space for it and make time for it. Hallelujah. And finally, I will say that we need wisdom in these times to be able to do all this. 
Amen. Uh, when we look at this verse, he said, okay, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's told, he will not depart from it. And Proverbs 34, 3 to 4, by wisdom a house is built. And by understanding it is established. And by knowledge, the knowledge of the Lord, the rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches. Your children are the precious and pleasant riches. Your home, pleasant and precious riches will fill the home. The Lord tells us that, look therefore carefully how you walk. Redeem the ties because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is for you. The will of God for your, fam your marriage. The will of God for your family and your children. Understand this. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding builds the home. And we should know the will of God so that we'll be able to achieve this from Ephesians 5. Verses 15, 16, and 17. May the Lord help us to be able to achieve whilst we are working, be able to fulfill our Christian duties and be in the likeness of God, which is the foundation. And also be also able to meet our family, which is the second one, and then the Christian family and the prophet family in that order. God bless you as uh, I leave room for questions. I may not be able to cover all the topics, but my wife is here. When the questions are asked, she may be able to say one or two things concerning how Christian doctors, wives, and partners suffer. Uh, sometimes we are absent. Uh, but it will give you a little advice on how to tolerate us and how to pray for us and how to build a good relationship with us. God bless you all. I wish those who are going to marry will find great wives who will be good partners because my wife resigned from her job as assistant estate officer and joined me at Don Group where she could not be employed. She sacrificed all this from VRA, where she was a big woman. And because of marriage, left her job. And she was unemployed. But now God has blessed her in a great way, far more than me, because of the sacrifices. Thank you very much. God bless you. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. Um, I don't know if you, you, you were here yesterday, but um, it's interesting. Yesterday, both you and uh, Mr. Piedu Mensah were especially mentioned for your reputation and your example, um, especially in, in, in the professional setting. And we are really grateful to hear from both of you today. I'm sure there are so many questions, but um, we'll take, I, I, I'll give about 15 minutes. And so please, if you have a question, you can raise your hand or if you put it in the chat box, we'll be able to um, 
answer. Um, I'm, I'm so blessed, and I hope that many of us are blessed too. So question time, please. So, so let me just start. You said that um, you were talking about the, the female, the spouses of male doctors. I think there are also female doctors who are married to non-medics. And I'm sure that they also have some challenges. So um, what, what advice or how, how, what would you tell them? Because some of us are married to men who are not doctors. And today I was just asking one of my sons, I mean, his comment about my life as a, a doctor. He, the first thing he said was, you are not, you are not available. <laughs> <laughs> They've told me that so many times. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, I think during the counseling time, uh, provision should be made for this. Uh, various professions. I know of pilots who are more busy than us. They are never at home, but they are still married. Our friends who are still married as pilots, they are away all the time. So we have no excuse not to be good family people. How about pilots? How about soldiers who go on long trips and you never see them. They are all married and they have remained married because they are Christians. But I think the counseling maybe was lacking. If you are going to marry a doctor, you should understand your spouse and the job that he does. That time, time, time. We want the woman especially, uh, you have some roles. I will advise that this man to support the times that when uh, it's the woman only who cooks, it's the woman who only washes plates and so on, it's gone. I remember when my wife delivered, I went to KJTR Market. Everybody who saw me, hey, where's your wife? Why are you here? Doctor, Sanwechiko, ah, I didn't know Dr. Obed Tonyama Market. And I also washing things and so on our partners should learn how to support us, how to come in, how to pray to support us. As heads of the house, they should help us in all these areas. It's very, very important. And counseling, counseling, counseling. I think we didn't understand our professions, some of them, before we got married. And that may be, and explain your profession to them. They don't know. A lot of them don't know what we are doing. Until not too long ago, I started educating my wife about the surgeries, about some of the things. And now she knows a lot about medicine. She understands me more than before. Tell them what you do in the hospital, the lives you are saving, and uh, all that you do. And when I'm doing evangelism, and medical outreach. I've been taking her now. We'll go to the Fulanis. And he accompanied me to the Fulanis so that we'll go and give free medical care to them. When she saw, he said, hey, so this is what you have been doing. And now she has become a partner for medical outreach and medical evangelism. Let's involve them. 
Let's bring them to the CMS. Sometime we were there together. Let's involve them. And then they will understand us. And let's pray that God will help them to be able to support us. Mommy, I pray that your husband will do a great job and your marriage will be successful. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Um, there are a couple of hands. Um, Emmanuel, Emmanuel Boache, if you can ask your question. Thank you very much, Dr. Abua, for such a powerful presentation. And it's always a blessing to listen to you. Um, I want to find out, sometimes before marriage, the partners look so supportive, they look so promising. And it's like you found the best person. But one thing I've also learned is that sometimes people change. And so some, um, how do you handle change? How do you handle it when your partner changes after marriage? All of a sudden, they are not so supportive. And maybe there's some insecurity and all that, especially if she's not a medical person. How do you handle all that? How do you overcome that to avoid a divorce? Thank you. How do you handle change? The only person who doesn't change is God. All of us change. Before I married, I had a nice mustache. I did not have this bald head and wrinkles on my face. But... <laughs> So prepare for change through all the changing scenes of life. Marriage goes through so many marriage goes through so many cycles. Some of the professional counselors say they have about five stages which you go through in marriage. I think another time we'll have a look at it. So be prepared for change. The first two years will not be like the second two years. And when you are 33 years, menopause, memory loss, and all those things will be coming. The beauty may be fading. Disease may change things. The way your spouse thinks. Security, women really love security. And also when you are too close to your colleague doctors, oh, especially when you are a woman and you see them chatting, they're chatting with all the young doctors all around. But when you come home, you don't chat with your husband. Oh, he'll be jealous. So give a double chat. I used not to talk so much. Yeah. Give a double chat to your wife and your spouse more than you do. Give him a kiss. After you wash your face, uh, you come home from COVID, give him a kiss before you go and give him yeah, a no, kiss before uh, and when you come home. They yeah. said those who kiss their wives live longer. 
than those who don't kiss their wives. So please kiss your spouse before you leave and pray together and kiss. Let them have the confidence that you have no other God but God and you have no other partner. He alone and she alone. You need to reassure them. Security is very important. You meet so many people in the hospital. Uh, they may be jealous. Or when they come there, they see how you are walking together and chatting together. But when you come home, you squeeze your face. And you don't even uh, say hello and so on. You are down. Reserve a smile. One last smile for the house. Not only for the patients. Reserve a smile. Reserve a kiss. Reserve something nice. Or buy something when you go home. When was the last time you bought something? Recently, I, I started buying chocolate again for my wife after 30-something years of marriage and sending messages. Don't stop the messages in hospital. Say, darling, I still love you. Communication. Communication is breaking down. You people are getting bored. Renew it. All the doctors on this platform go to Dubai with your spouse for a holiday and go with your children if possible. You will come back refreshed and renewed. Go to Cape Coast, go to Sugarcoffee and, and then renew your marriage bonds. Communication. The key communication things which should never disappear. One, I love you. It should never stop. Two, sorry. Three, please. Four, is a word of encouragement. So if we say these five things every day, I tell you the communication will be renewed. I love you. Please, uh, before you ask for your food, please, thank you. It's appreciation. You are the most beautiful woman in the world. How long ago did you admire her hairdo? How long ago? One guy said that, ah, as for today, I will say it. And then when the woman came that day, she did not make her hair. And so he came, ah, I like this new hairdo. And the, and the wife said, oh, and now my name is Tino, and then now we can say, and new hairdo. <laughs> and he, as I said, not automatic, but just admire, admire what God has given you and appreciate. Let's reserve the last smile and the last kiss, not for the patient on the world, but for your spouse. Amen. Amen. When was the last time you said thank you? When was the last time you said please? When was the last time you said I'm sorry, forgive me? When was the last time you said a word of encouragement? And when was the last time you said the greatest word that the woman want to hear? I love you. <laughs> okay, please. There are a few questions in the chat box. So, Someone is asking that, do you have, a, have you ever had a challenge balancing family work, family and work, and how do you handle it? And then if you could also say something about 
um, doctors married to doctors because they also have their own challenges. So sometimes we expect that there'll be more understanding, but it's not the same. So both spouses are doctors. What do they, how do they mm -hmm. improve or how do they make their marriage work better? I come back to counseling, counseling. You see, the problem, every exam, part two, MBCHB, greatest exam in life is marriage, the greatest exam. And that is the one people don't prepare at all. They don't. Dr. Awa, please, uh, your video is gone off again. Fail. We should prepare the counseling three solid months. We are both doctors. How are we going to manage our time? This is my duty schedule. This is your duty schedule. How can I never took a maid, but we share the responsibilities in sale them, buff them, and uh, dress them, and then take them to school. My wife and who have been done before you marry. Exams, the greatest exam in life is marriage. And when you fail marriage, you fail the big exam, a great big exam, apart from losing your salvation. So just as we prepare, start reading about time management. How, start reading and receiving counsel from doctors who have got married to doctors before you. There are Christian doctors like that. Practical advice. Christian doctors who are married to people who are very busy. Go for them to help you, to counsel you, and so on. We need to learn. We never stop learning in marriage, just as we never stop learning in medicine. Let's devote time to study. There are many books that are around that you can lay hands on, and it will help you. I will say that seriously, you did not take your counseling serious. You took it for granted, like it's going to be like everybody's marriage. But that is not true. But it's not too late. Okay. You can manage it. Amen. Amen. Um, I think you haven't addressed the question about um, how the balance, how are you able to balance family and work? Wow. That is what <laughs> I put into At the, the beginning. Bowl. Yeah. Time management, priority. Okay. God okay. first, your family second, other activities mm. will follow. So if you look at the biggest stones, followed by the next one, followed by the next one, and the sun is wasting time doing some things that are not too helpful, uh, I think that if you arrange your time, the 24 hours, and make enough time for all these things, including your ministry, the Lord will help you to do it. Okay. I think before we, there's one more comment, and I don't know if 
Mrs. Abwa can help us. But a comment, one comment is that uh, maybe it would be good to have um, a meeting for partners who are married to doctors so that they mm -hmm. can share their challenges and for those who have had more experience, how they overcame it. So we don't know if um, your wife, Mrs. Abwa, could maybe chip in something, tell us how how she coped. For a meeting and how you coped married to your doctor. Hello, everyone. I didn't really hear Hello, the question. Mommy. Okay, so yeah, can um, you repeat it, please? Okay, so somebody is suggesting that maybe um, if we had time to meet with those spouses who are who are non-doctors married to doctors they could share their challenges and if some have had some coping strategies or how they've resolved their challenges they could share with us so that we can improve oh, okay. on our yeah okay yeah i think first of all you really have to know what you are getting into it's a decision you took to marry a doctor I read land economy and then I, went, I read, um, I have a master's in business administration. So you should actually know that you are marrying a very busy doctor to be committed and you have to actually sacrifice. One thing that actually helped me is I actually realized that you can't always have them uh, to come home when you need them. You get it. You can't, uh, it's not like a normal, it's out of the normal. It's not always there for you like other marriages. So what I did was to actually plan my own schedule. So I came in as a first degree, but in the marriage, I was able to do a master's and I even have a doctorate in um, a, 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 a certain course. You get it. So you yeah. actually plan your life outside his, but at the same time supporting him. And that actually gives you the, you know, the, the, it takes a lot of stress from you. Because if okay. you tailor your, your whole life around him, you actually be disappointed and you not actually get what you want. But one thing we also do is to spend quality time together. And by quality time, you know, the little time he gets for us, you know, we actually do things that are really um, worthy. Like we travel out, sometimes out of Kumasi with the children for holiday and a lot of other things. And, you know, we really know that, I mean, when he's, they, um, our spouses are away, they are saving lives. So that should actually know that you're actually working you are part of, you know, God's plan for somebody's life. And we pray together. Like, just like he said, the woman is a type of Holy Spirit. So most times we, I intercede, I comfort, I refresh, I, you know, I encourage him to move on. And you, you know, you, you get to push him. My husband has actually a heart to serve. So without it, it looks like he's actually not complete. So knowing this, you push him to do what he has to do. But at the same time, you make sure you remind him he has a family to keep. And doing that, I think um, 
yeah, we've gotten somewhere and we still cherish each other and love each other. In fact, at a point, I also got so busy. Sometimes we wonder who is more busier, <laughs> whether himself <laughs> or myself. And we are both enjoying our lives and our ministry. I rose to the position of um, a national executive member of, um, um, you know, women's ministry. And then right now I'm the president for the women in surveying. I served as the chairperson for um, the Ghana Institution of Surveyors in Ashanti region. And um, I've... You know, uh, one other thing that we also have to do is to plan for the future. You get it. I know my husband one likes working for free a lot of time. So I plan and with time, we started a hospital. You know, I got the hospital built up. We got the hospital built up before he even retired. So now that he's retired, he's working at the hospital. So I've moved my consultancy. I'm now a property consultant. So I've moved my consultancy to the hospital. So now, you know, um, he's actually very busy with the consultants, uh, the hospital. And then he also does a lot of, you know, outreaches as an evangelist. And we are, we are actually getting somewhere. And our children are also, by the grace of God, in good um, hands. And we thank God for it. We, 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 our prayer has actually helped us a lot in all this. So if you are married to a doctor, you actually have to know what you are getting yourself into. And you have to plan a life without him in a way. In fact, he supports you and you, also, so you should be there for him. But you have to also plan something for yourself. Otherwise, you have to sit down and wait for him for dinner you actually be disappointed. So get the dinner ready. If he comes, fine. If he doesn't come, enjoy it with the children. And when he comes late, you serve him with a smile, eat his food for him. And, you know, life continues. So don't tailor your whole life around your husband. Do something for yourself and support him at the same time as he also supports you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, mommy. Um, just, I mean, when you were talking, just reminded me a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a, a few times when um, younger colleagues in my husband's office are going to get married to doctors, they actually come to him and ask him what it's like being married to a doctor. And I thought it wasn't really necessary, but now I'm, I'm understanding that um, there's more that happens in the family than sometimes we think about you know I used to think that it's not a big deal but I now realize that um, it's we actually I mean our families really need to understand what we do for them to be able to support us um, well thank you so much for for the advice and I'm sure um, both males and females have learned from from this um, I can't see any hand up. Is there any hand up that I'm missing? Um, I think, I don't know, our, our phone is not, really not working well. Oh, but we could hear you very well. You said my husband's performance as a husband. No, I said that we could hear you very well. I was saying that, that 
Um, there were people who used to go to my husband, friends, my husband to ask him. My husband is a man medic. And when they are going to get married, they go to him to ask um, what it's like being married to a doctor. Oh, okay. And for a long time, I didn't think it was a relevant question. But from today and even looking back, I, I now see the relevance because there are certain things they'll have to adjust to. There are certain things they need to know what they are getting themselves involved in. So thank you for the advice. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I don't see any question now. Um, please, if there's no other question, and then I'll try and um, end the session so that we can move on to the last part of the of the day. Yes. So once again, we want to say a big thank you to Dr. William Apiedu Mensa and Dr. Ken Abwa. You continue to be a blessing to this fellowship you continue to be mentors to us you continue to be inspiration to us and we are really blessed by all that we've learned today and last week i learned something that after we've been converted or after we've heard the word of god conversion is not where we should end but we need to cultivate the seed that has been sown into our heart so we we've got so much this whole um three days, we've learned how we are in challenging times, whether we like it or not. I mean, the world was challenging already before COVID came. And God wants us as Christian doctors to stand out, to be light, to be salt, to be different. Because if we are not different, then we are not showing Christ. God wants to glorify himself through all of us. And I pray that these three days have not just been time that we have spent listening, but truly our lives to be transformed and we've been encouraged, we've been energized to continue to serve God wherever he's placed us. So on this note, I'll hand over to our president, Dr. Peter Apia-Thompson, for the last session. Thank you all very much.